My name is Luke Heron. I am uh, a missionary. My wife is Jenny. She's here with me. We are missionaries supported by this church uh, for a long, long time, and we really appreciate this church. Um, I am the director of AIM, Africa Inland Mission. Uh, we are an Afri Africa-focused mission. I guess you could guess that from the name. Uh, we work in 23 different African countries and among the African diaspora scheduled, uh, scattered around the world. have about 600 field missionaries, uh, and there's four main things that we do. One is outreach to unreached African people groups, mobilizing of African missionaries, training of African church leaders, and serving and supporting people who are doing those other things. So that's our main focus in AIM. Though I'm not going to talk much about AIM today because uh, you are focused on Buddhists, so I'll try and talk a little bit about Buddhism, but in AIM we know very little about Buddhists. Uh, we focus on traditional African religions and Muslim people. Thank you, Father, for this opportunity to speak to my brothers and sisters. Thank you for everybody who's here. Thank you for everybody who's watching online. Thank you for your word that speaks to us. Thank you that you've given us this mission, mission of reconciliation. Thank you for the privilege of prayer that we can pray today for Buddhists and others. Help me, please, to speak your word in a way that honors Jesus Christ and that lifts up and challenges my brothers and sisters here. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, there's a PowerPoint. Could we show that? There we are. There's the first slide. That's nice. Okay, um, this is also, I sent this also as a PDF to the church here. And so all the information, there's a bunch of information on this PowerPoint. There's a bunch of links. Don't worry about trying to, take, uh, to write them down or take pictures of them. You can get the PDF. Someone will get it to you, or you can write to me, and I'll send it to you. But everything's there, so let's not worry. Okay, let's think about Buddhism. Okay, just very briefly. This is a map that shows the distribution of the world's Buddhist people groups. Obviously, there's a huge concentration in Southeast Asia, and then there's Buddhists also scattered around the world with diaspora Buddhists scattered around in North America and Europe. Even a little bit, there's a couple in Africa and South America. Okay, now, I've got 6.5% of the world population. This is from Joshua Project. Uh, somebody earlier said 8 to 10, so close anyway. Uh, about half a billion people, 676 people groups of Buddhist peoples, and there's a whole bunch of them. Now, interesting, 78% of those people groups are un unreached, okay, which is significant, meaning the great majority of Buddhist peoples in the world are not reached with the gospel. But if you look at that same statistic for Muslim people, you have almost no Muslim people groups, or maybe no Muslim people groups that are actually reached with the gospel, meaning you have a certain percentage of churches and Christians among those people groups, which tells me Buddhism is resistant to the gospel for sure, not as resistant is as Islam, but certainly resistant to the gospel. And again, you see where they are. Those, the dots that are yellow dots or green dots, those are people, those are pe people groups where the gospel has been received. The red ones, no, unreached Buddhist people groups. Okay. In general, all over the world, those places which have, which have prominent world religions, meaning Islam, Judaism, Hinduism, Buddhism, etc., 
those are the peoples in general that have been the most resistant to the gospel. It seems like we could say the defense is organized in those countries and there's resistance. The peoples all over the world for the last 200 years that have been the most responsible are the traditional religions, the tribal religions, what we might call animism, <clears throat> especially in Africa and in Latin America. Those people have come streaming into the kingdom. The people from the major world religions, including Buddhism, have not. But there is growing openness among them. And again, I talk about Muslims, but it's true with Buddhists as well, I believe. Okay, let's go to the next slide. Oh, you can't even see that. Look at that. That's a bad choice of uh, color, isn't it? Um, what I've, just, I've just put two links here. You can get them off, off the PowerPoint. Uh, they'll be made available to you. Um, one is uh, just a two- or three-page infographic from uh, OMF, uh, Overseas Missionary Fellowship, formerly China Inland Mission, that they obviously engage with a lot of Buddhists. They're in Southeast Asia and other places. So it's a really nice infographic, two, three pages about Buddhism, a good introduction to Buddhism. Okay, And then the next one is that same, it's the same page from Joshua Project that I just showed you. So you can have access to those. And then there is a video by an organization called Prayer cast. And this is a, an organization that actually films and records prayers for different people. And there is a prayer that they've done. They have an ex-Buddhist who is praying for Buddhist people. It's about two to three minutes. And we're going to play that right now. And I invite you just to pray along with the speaker. So can we have that? Hi, my name is May. I used to be a Buddhist, and now I follow Christ. I want to pray for Buddhists around the world. Father, I come to you to pray for the Buddhists in this world. Father, you say that you want all the people to be saved. You don't want anyone to be perished. Father, you love all the people in this world, even the Buddhists. Father, I pray for their salvation. Please have a mercy on them. Please, to help them to understand your truth. Open their eyes, open their heart, to see that you are the only one true God. You are the one to create them. And they will understand your truth when someone share with them. They will understand it, and their heart will be touched by your love, and they will continue to confess their sin. Father, please perform your mighty power to remove those hindrances, remove those things that will ah uh, will stop them to to hear about you, to know about you, to bring their, their eye to see you. Father, please remove those hindrances. Open their heart to see that, to see you, to come to you, to believe in you. Father, if they don't have someone to share, how can they know about you? So, Father, I pray that you will raise four more missionaries to go to 
those Buddhist country to share your good news to them. Father, thank you for listening to my prayer. I pray in your precious name. Amen. That prayer is on the PowerPoint as well, so you can see that again, or go to prayercast.org. Yeah. I'm going to shift gears and talk about two mission themes. If I could go back to my PowerPoint, please. There we are. And these two themes are China and COVID. Okay, just to, I can't give you an overview of everything that's happening in world missions, but let's just talk about China for a minute. You might think China is Buddhist. China is not really a Buddhist country. There are certainly Buddhists in China, and Chinese religions are certainly influenced by Buddhism. But there are Chinese traditional religions that most people in China adhere to. And then you have the whole thing of Confucianism, and you have a sizable number of Muslims in China as well, and as you know, a large number of Christians, up to 8 to 10% of the population in some studies. Now, that's an example of people with traditional religions being more open to the gospel than people of world religions. In any event, you, I wouldn't think of China as Buddhist, but there certainly are Buddhists in China. But I'm going to talk about China anyway. It's sort of Buddhist. Um, I don't know if you've heard this. I might have said it in this church before, but there are, there are missiologists who look at China and look at the church in China and say by 2050, so what, that's about 30 years from now, China will be the largest, mainland China will be the largest mission-sending nation in the world. There are... Chinese missionaries, both from Chinese diaspora, other Chinese countries, and mainland China going into the harvest fields today. There is a huge and growing church that has tremendous interest in missions, not only in missions to unreached Chinese peoples, but peoples around the world. So China is a growing mission force right now, a tremendous potential um, in the previous century, there was something called the Back to Jerusalem movement, and there was a, an, an indigenous movement among Chinese churches where they tried to send, they wanted to send thousands and thousands of missionaries to go across China, across Asia, all the way to Jerusalem and beyond and bring the gospel back from China to all these different countries, okay? Now, the, the movement certainly happened. It, there, it, there was something called the Back to Jerusalem movement. There's controversy about what actually happened in it. There are some people, only a few who contend, no, there were many missionaries who went out, and they were very effective, and they're still there serving. 
most other people who look at this say, no, largely this didn't happen. A number of missionaries went out, but they were poorly supported. They were poorly trained. They went out without financial backing. And some of them went off into other regions of China. Some of them made it into Central Asia. But a lot of them just came back because they didn't have the means to stay there. And, and a number of them died as well. Um, the Chinese lurch... Chinese lurch. The Chinese church has learned from this and they recognize if we are going to send missionaries, it can't just be based on zeal alone, that we actually need to prepare, screen who gets sent out, train them, and find ways to financially support them. So the Chinese church is growing in their missions, maturity and missions thinking like that. In AIM, uh, the organization I work for, we recognize that the Chinese church is a growing mission force and want to help engage the Chinese church. Again, we're talking mainland China. Diaspora as well. There, there are probably a hundred million Chinese living around the world who don't live in mainland China. Okay, but looking at this mainland mission force, recognizing that these are, these are probably not going to be people who are going to join AIM, a, a Western-oriented international mission agency. That just isn't going to work for a number of reasons. But there's ways that we believe we can help the Chinese church. And we are, we're in contact with different Chinese missions organizations and churches, and we actually had a small team of Chinese missionaries in North Africa that ended just uh, last year. Um, but what we've discerned from all this in our contact with Chinese churches is that they really want us to help in these areas of screening of missionaries, member care for missionaries, helping to develop mission agencies and financial support systems, and training of missionaries. So we're looking at ways that we can specifically intervene. Again, if mainland Chinese want to join AIM, they're more than welcome, but we don't think we're going to get a whole bunch of missionaries from this. We want to help serve the Chinese church in this way, and maybe there's ways we can actually partner on the field with them. Currently, however, that's all shut down because of COVID. As you know, China is in a, is in a strong lockdown position, and people can just not come and go right now. Communication is even very difficult. I don't know if you saw that story on the internet. There's this young woman. She had a blind date with a man. Uh, she went to his apartment because he was a, it was a good cook, and he was going to cook a meal for her, and she went there. And then she got locked down in his apartment. I mean, so she's just stuck there. Now, I hope they like each other. Maybe this will work out in the end. But that just tells you how strict the lockdowns have become in China. They're really trying to pursue a zero, a zero COVID policy. Will that work in the long run? I don't know. But that's what they're doing. And so movement in and out of China, very, very difficult. Okay. And the other thing I'm sure you've seen is there is now increased persecution of Christians in China and increased pressure on churches. I believe a lot of this is political rather than religious. They really don't want Western influence, and they don't want Chinese churches and organizations connecting with Western churches and organizations. Now, I don't think it's all political. I think we know who is behind this, and it's not Xi Jinping. It's the, it's the evil one himself who wants to squelch the gospel in China. So, but, that's, but those two realities, COVID and this persecution, are really limiting Chinese churches from doing missions outside China right now. Uh, 
neither COVID nor Xi Jinping nor the devil himself will stop what the Lord is doing in China. He is going to continue to send missionaries from China, and we hope and pray that there will be a bigger and bigger uh, group of them. But right now, that's going very slowly. Um, so that's China. The second thing I'd like to say about world mission is to talk about COVID. You know all about COVID. I don't need to talk very much about that. But COVID is certainly slowing down the kind of mission that AIM does. And again, that's a mission where people from one country moving to another country, incarnational, long-term ministry. Okay, that is, more diff- that is much more difficult in the COVID era. People cannot move around nearly as easily. There are countries that are still closed because of COVID. Missionaries were out of those countries, cannot get back into those countries. Sometimes ministry opportunities in countries are, limit- are limited and travel is uh, the difficulty has greatly increased. Okay, so COVID is slowing us down in AIM and probably other similar organizations. COVID's probably not slowing the gospel down because local ministry goes on. And that is a lesson that I hope AIM and other like-minded mission organizations are learning. Because in the end, we have hearts for Africa, we move to Africa, we minister in Africa, Most of us are still not Africans, and we will never become Africans. And when things go bad, then we leave, and sometimes we can't go back. That's the way missions is, or the kind of missions we do. That's the way it is. I hope we're learning more and more that we need to do everything we can to equip and facilitate local people to do ministry. Now, there are huge unreached people groups, particularly in Asia, that have very little access to the gospel, and there are no churches and no Christians among them. That still exists. And so this world still needs long-term foreign pioneer church planting apostolic missionaries. There is still a huge need for that, and there is still a need for that in Africa as well. Okay, But there are not very many people in places in which there are no Christians. They are either Christians from that people group or people from nearby people groups who live among them. More and more that is the situation. There are not very many places in Africa where we cannot find somebody that we can help to mobilize, to train, and to facilitate in ministry. And we, this is called by missiologists the facilitator era. Okay, and that makes a lot of sense, and that's what we need to be doing in most of the places in Africa where we minister. So COVID, Lord willing, will facilitate this facilitator era, something we're learning in AIM and other organizations and churches learning this as well. Okay, next slide, please. Okay, getting involved. Okay. I don't need to give you a sermon about this. This church tends to be pretty involved in missions, I think. And I'll say some things that you already know and maybe a couple new things here as far as getting involved. First of all, Obviously, you can reach out to Asians and Buddhists who live right here in this community. And I don't want to say it's easy. It's not. It's easier than reaching out to Muslims. Okay, that's all I'll say, but there are Asians right here in your own communities, and there are Buddhists right here in your own communities who will listen to the gospel. So, reaching out to Asians right in this area. Obviously, you're do, you're, you're, you know about giving, you know about praying. Thank you again for supporting 
the Herons. Thank you for supporting the Beckers. Thank you for supporting Zufan and her family, our mobilizer in Ethiopia. So thank you very much for engaging with AIM. We really appreciate this church. And, and again, I still remember if in, well, I'm sure, I'm sure Paul does, but if people remember the linguists, uh, wonderful people who were, who were our introduction to this church. So, um, have you considered, and you probably have, actually adopting a people group? Um, that could be in Africa, that could be a Buddhist people group, it could be in Asia. The point of that is not to have all your missions efforts geared toward that one people group, but to focus the church's efforts on one particular region or one particular people group, to focus prayers, to focus short-term trips, and if you have opportunity to send long-term workers to that people group, that's something to think about if the Lord would lead you to one particular group that you could focus some of your efforts on. That's an encouraging thing for people in the church because missions all of a sudden doesn't become this big thing that is, is so varied and in and, 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 and so many places, but people can really get to know one particular people group and develop a vision and a burden for those people. Think about that. Yeah. Um, you've heard about the perspectives course. Okay, there are other, but there's, there's another course that I just, can we put that back up again? that I just found out about. Um, it's called Momentum Yes. There's a funny name for you. Momentum Yes. This is, uh, and you can find the website, the link's on there. Uh, you just look up Momentum Yes, one word, and you'll find it. But what they have is, this is online, but there are six 90-minute mission courses in order just to facilitate mission interest in a church. So this is more or less for beginners. This is something you could do with small groups. Take a look at that. Again, six 90-minute courses that may be a real encouragement uh, to your church for missions. Um, can I have the next slide, please? Yeah. In AIM, we have some short-term diaspora African mission teams this summer, starting in June. There'll be a two-week training period, uh, I think, in Minneapolis, and then people going, no, sorry, one week, and then people going out to different locations where we're working among the Africa diaspora. I keep using that word. That's Africans who have left Africa who are scattered around the world, okay? Unreached people groups, mostly North Africans, but Somalis as well, in so many of our communities. So we have these two-month outreach and training teams. If anybody would like to get involved, talk with me, but the information is on the PowerPoint as well. Next slide. Yeah, and this is our mission mobilizer from California. If, uh, if you uh, want to take a picture of that, you can get in touch with her, or again, it's on the PowerPoint. So, adopting a people, doing this Momentum Yes course, giving, praying, reaching out to Asians in this area, or short-term teams, lots of ways to get involved in mission. Okay, now can we go to the next slide, please? I think the scripture's on it. Yeah, if anybody, ah, it's kind of hard to read, but you can look it up if you want. This is Psalm 84, and this is where I'll really switch gears now. Okay. I'll give you... Not a long sermon, because I don't have a lot of time, but a brief meditation on Psalm 84 now. 
Psalm 84 is the pilgrim song from the Old Testament. People in the nation of Israel were supposed to go three times a year, everybody to go to Jerusalem for their three great feasts, okay? Can I think of them all? Feast of Booths, Pentecost, uh, Passover. I think that's right. Okay, And so they were supposed to go all do those together and offer their sacrifices in the temple, etc., etc. Okay, that was the way it was designed. Now, practically speaking, uh, I don't think they really did this. Uh, people would do well. It wasn't a big country. They could get to Jerusalem one to, one to, uh, once a year. Uh, it was, uh, it was uh, from two to five days walking, so it was not an easy thing. But still... That the notion of pilgrimage to Jerusalem was a serious thing for Old Testament Jews, and this psalm talks about it. And then this psalm is their song that they use when they're on the road, on the road walking to Jerusalem with more and more pilgrims joining them in the process. Most of the psalm does not need commentary. Uh, I think it's fairly obvious what it's talking about. But it does need some application to our lives because, generally speaking, we're not making religious pilgrimages anywhere. Sometimes people still want to do pilgrimages to Jerusalem, or if we're Presbyterians, we can make them to Geneva or to Scotland or whatever. But it doesn't quite have the same sense as the Old Testament pilgrims going to Jerusalem. Okay. The application, this is not so hard, actually, because we are pilgrims. We are not going physically one place to another to do a pilgrimage to a particular place. We are pilgrims on the road to Zion. Zion refers to Jerusalem in the Old Testament, but it also refers to the heavenly Jerusalem. That is our Zion, not Jerusalem, but the heavenly Zion. And, this, and while the Jerusalem pilgrimage took a few days for most of the Israelites uh, on foot, our pilgrimage takes our whole life, okay? We can walk it, Lord willing, with the same fervor, the same longing, the same passion to be in the presence of our King and our God. Yeah, in this world and finally in the heavenly Jerusalem in Zion. So I'll read the psalm, and I'll just make a few comments as we go forward. But again, thinking of the Old Testament pilgrims on the road to Jerusalem, thinking of, of ourselves on the road to the heavenly Jerusalem. Psalm 84, this is from ESV. How lovely is your dwelling place, O Lord of hosts. My soul longs, yes, faints for the, course, for the courts of the Lord. My heart and flesh sing for joy to the living God. You get a sense of that passion and longing of the pilgrims along the road, my heart fainting, so much desiring to be in the presence of God in the temple, in the courts of the Lord. My soul longs yet faint, yes, faints, for the courts of the Lord. My heart and flesh sing for joy to the living God. Verse 3, Even the sparrow finds a home, and the swallow a nest for herself, where she may lay her young at your altars, O Lord of hosts, my King and my God. Now they're imagining as they walk along this road, 
Apparently there were swallows and sparrows that built their nests inside the temple. You know what swallows do. You see the places they build their nests. If they have a place, they can build a nest under a bridge or in a building where they're sheltered and protected, they'll do it. And we imagine probably they flew into the temple and built nests there or in the courts of the Lord in protected areas. And so the psalmist is imagining the blessing of these birds who lay their eggs and have their young in the courts of the Lord, in the presence of the Lord. And what a blessing then to raise their young and for us to raise our children in the presence of the Lord. Verse 4, blessed are those who dwell in your house, ever singing your praise. Who are the people who dwell in the house of the Lord? Now we're thinking about the priests and the Levites who came on a rotational basis and served in the temple. They had rooms for them there. And so they were basically, for a month at a time or longer, just dwelling in the presence of the Lord in the temple, in the temple courts. Yeah, and what a blessing. These people who are walking long miles to get there thinking, wow, there's these Levites and priests who just live in the presence of the Lord. What a blessing for them. Verse 5, blessed are those whose strength is in you in whose hearts are the, are the highways to Zion. Blessed are those whose strength is in you Strength walking down the road, growing in strength as you get towards Zion. And your heart, the highway to Zion, the highway to Jerusalem, the highway to the heavenly Jerusalem is, is not a map that we have and we don't find it on Google Maps, but it's in our, it's in our very hearts. As they go, verse 6, through the valley of Baca, they make it a place of springs. The early rain also covers it with pools. This must have been a difficult part of the pilgrimage, a dry valley. Baca means weeping. They're going through the valley of weeping. Maybe this was a hard part of the journey. It was dry. It was hot. There were tears. And here are the pilgrims passing through this dry valley. But as they pass through the valley, they bring blessing. Their tears are like rain for the valley. All are blessed, including the people who dwell in the valley of Baca in this dry and sad place. Are our lives like that? Do we bring blessing wherever we go, particularly to sorrowful and spiritually dry people in places? As we move along through this life, do people say, it was good that those people were here. It was good that this person came to my house. He brought blessing in the middle of a dry or sorrowful time in my life. True pilgrims will do that. Verse 7, they go from strength to strength. Each one appears before God in Zion. Strength to strength. Do we move from strength to strength? There was a time, and I, this was a, a psalm that I used maybe 20 years ago when we lived in Djibouti. And I came back and I preached in, in probably in this church. I probably preached about this psalm in this church about 20 years ago. And part of my testimony was this is what we are experiencing. Ministry in Comoros was great. Ministry in Djibouti is advancing. We're going from strength to strength. Everything's great. 
And then a lot of difficult things happened after that. Yeah, a lot of the things that I thought were great were no longer great. There was false teaching that came in. Believers started to fall away. There was opposition and, pre and pressure and all kinds of difficulties we started to encounter. And I look back and I thought, wow, strange that I would stand up here and say that I'm going from strength to strength. Yeah. It's still true. The word is still true, and we can move from strength to strength. But that strength to strength I came to see doesn't mean victory to victory and one glorious day to another. Our strength is in the Lord, whether we seem to be winning or seem to be losing. We move along in the strength of the Lord, His strength which is perfected in weakness. And so even from difficulty to difficulty and apparent loss to apparent loss and illness to illness to death, we can still move from strength to strength in the Lord's strength. But it's not our strength, and nobody has a life of continuous victories. Verse 8, O Lord God of hosts, hear my prayer. Give ear, O God of Jacob. Behold our shield, O God. Look on the face of your anointed. Now here's a prayer as the pilgrims move along the road for their leaders. Your anointed, that would be the king. Okay, and as we move through our pilgrimage, we offer up prayers. We do offer prayers for our leaders, for our political leaders, our president, our governor, our representatives, etc., and for our spiritual leaders, for Shannon, for the elders of this church. Yeah, we offer up these prayers as we go along our pilgrim road. Verse 10. A familiar verse. For a day in your courts is better than a thousand elsewhere. I would rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than dwell in the tents of wickedness. Well-known verse. Of course, we would all affirm it, that we'd rather yeah, be a doorkeeper in the house of God, a simple servant sitting on the doorstep, maybe not even inside, than dwell in some tent of wickedness somewhere. And that a day in the Lord's courts are better than a thousand elsewhere. We sing that song. But is that really true for us? Is that really true for us that we consider a day in the Lord's presence is better than a thousand elsewhere? And then we'd rather be a simple servant in the Lord's presence, then receive everything that the world has to offer that is, in truth, so appealing to us. Better to be a humble servant in the kingdom than have all the world has to offer. Is that really true? Verse 11, the Lord God is a sun and a shield. The Lord bestows favor and honor. No good thing does he withhold from those who walk uprightly. O Lord of hosts, blessed is the one who trusts in you. These are wonderful promises, worth meditating on, worth memorizing, 
worth holding tightly on to. The Lord God is a sun and a shield, a provider and a protector. The Lord bestows favor and honor, or in another translation, grace and glory. And then this line, no good thing does he withhold from those who walk uprightly. There's a promise we can hold on to on this pilgrim road. No good thing does he withhold from those who walk uprightly. O Lord of hosts, blessed is the one who trusts in you. Tying it together now, pilgrimage and mission. This intense longing for the Lord. In this world and in the next Do we know this longing? Can we say our soul longs, faints for the courts of the Lord, our heart and flesh sing for joy to the living God? If we do know this, we cannot but hope, pray, give, and do everything possible so that others will know it as well. Those we know and those we don't know We want our friends and our family. And we want Africans and Chinese and Muslims and Buddhists and non-religions and secularists and atheists and even our enemies to know this same love and longing for the courts of the Lord that eventually to arrive in Zion at the end of their pilgrimage as well. I gave you a list of ideas. I gave you some possibilities, ways you could get involved involved in mission, things you might do. But first and foremost, Lord, revive us. Lord, give us a longing for the courts and the house of God to live and serve and raise our children in your presence and let that love overflow to those around us. To those Buddhists and others at the ends of the earth, let it flow out of us so that as we walk our pathway to Zion, even through the valley of Baca, we bring refreshing and blessing and invite others to join us on our pilgrimage. For our joy and for your glory, make us true pilgrims. Amen.